This is Amy Impalazari, host of Tall Poppy Writers Presents, I Know How This Book Ends, where we deep dive into the story behind the story of the biggest books this year. I am so excited today to be talking with Tori Hohen, who is the debut author of The Ark. Tori is a, she was previously an editor at New York Magazine, and she was the creative director of brand at the women's workwear startup M.M. LaFleur of which I'm a huge fan. We're going to talk about that too, where she found the brand's digital magazine, the M-Dash. She's a graduate of Brown University and currently lives in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome, Tori. Thank you for having me. I'm impressed that you got all that right. Um, (laughs) Well, I was really excited to receive an advanced copy of the ARC. I dove right in and I was immediately sucked in. I can't wait to talk with you about this book. But first, and we are going to talk about this book, but I just want to talk a little bit about your journey to publication. This is your debut novel. And I know uh, from my research that you left your position at M.M. LaFleur to take a risk and write this novel. And I want to talk a little bit about that and what led to your your commitment to pursue your dream of writing a novel. T- tell me where the dream came from, first of all. Where did the dream of writing a novel come from? Yeah, I mean, this is such an exciting moment in my life, and it really does <sighs> feel like a reinvention um, for me. So I I love this question. Um, I think I've loved writing and reading, but you know, I've been a writer my whole life in various capacities. I was definitely like the nerdy little kid in the corner writing books for fun when I, yes. when I was little. Um, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think I, I always had this dream of like, one day I'm going to write a real book. Um, and I've also been interested in, you know, film and adjacent sort of art forms. But mm-hmm. writing, I think writing was also like the one skill <laughs> I've had that's been pretty clear. Like in school, that was always my strong suit. Um, so when I graduated from college. Um, I I actually, my first job was at a small communications consultancy, but all of the work I was doing there was writing related. And then prior, I mean, sorry, after that, all of my jobs were also writing related. Um, So did you go right to New York after college? I did. Yeah. I went right to New York. I spent two years in New York Um, Then I went to Paris, also somewhat Mm. impulsively, spent about uh, a year and a half there, and then came back to New York, and this is where I've been since then. So all of my jobs have involved writing um, in some capacity. I've worked in magazine journalism. I've worked in marketing. I've worked for brands doing content creation. Um, But this book is my first stab at fiction, um, which is just Mm. a dream I've always had, but was really terrified to actually pursue. I think the fear of failure is very real for me um, and was holding me back on a subconscious level. I kept saying, I'll do that someday. I'll do that, you know, when I have more time and space and money. (laughs) Right. And um, there's always, there's always uh, supposedly going to be a better time, but there really isn't. (laughs) There really really isn't. I mean, I guess my other skill is coming up with excuses. I can do that. Ah. So, um, (laughs) So yeah, I think it was I was reaching my mid-30s. Um, I had been in my role at M.M. LaFleur for five years. It was So tell us, I don't mean to interrupt you, but tell me how you end up at M.M. LaFleur. Tell me a little bit about that because I am a big fan of the brand. I 
actually, uh, there's a reference in one of my novels, Why We Lie, the protagonist is wearing a dress from M.M. LaFleur at her partner's campaign announcement. It's like a big moment. I love the brand. I love what it signifies. So tell me a little bit about how you end up there. That's so funny. I yeah, love that. Uh, yeah, I it's a small story. world moment. When I saw that you worked there, that I I didn't know that when I picked up this book. And then I just thought, oh my goodness, all roads were leading for, for us to, to meet and talk about this. But tell yeah. me how you end up there. Okay, so I think I was about 29. Um, I was in a phase of my career where I was freelancing and I was doing a mix of magazine work and then consulting for brands and copywriting. Um, and I met with Sarah LaFleur. I knew her not super well. She's the founder. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know her super well, but I'm uh, friends with her husband. So we met and she was like, you know, I'm getting this brand off the ground. Mm -hmm. We're super tiny, but I think content needs to be a big part of our strategy. I want to, you know, not just sell clothes, but also really tell the story of this working woman that we are um, serving. So I started out pretty casually just writing a few blog posts for them and helping with some initial copy. This was when the brand was like four or five people, very tiny. Yes. Um, And ended up falling in love with that team of people, their mission. You know, I didn't set out to like write about pencil skirts as my passion, but I really loved the opportunity to write for this professional woman who nowadays a lot of brands are doing that. But back yes. in, you know, 2013, when we were starting out, um, right. it was more rare. So I love the idea of, of kind of um, helping M.M. LaFleur to establish its voice and its point of view um, in order to really attract this smart, discerning, busy female customer they were going after. Um, so really my role there just grew as the company grew. Do you feel um, like maybe you I, learned or or learned a little bit about taking risks from being part of a startup as from the ground up? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, but also sort of from a safe distance because, you know, I was, uh, I was employed, but it was really the founders who were taking that right. initial risk. And I think I got a front row seat to yes. watching them and, and seeing how they sort of push through the the difficult moments and I was on that journey with them yes. um, without having taken on all the risk that they took on. So right. I think for me, that was a great way to, um, to be inspired and just to understand like this is possible and it might take a few years and you might lose faith along the way. Yes. But um, if you stay with it, you can, you can really make things happen. Um, so I was so, you know, proud of the work I was able to do at that company. Um, I, by, by the time I left, I was the creative director of brand. So I was overseeing our copy, content, social media, and PR. So pretty much all communications. Um, but I'd been there for five years and you know we'd gone through so much transformation as a brand. And I think I was ready at that point to kind of go out on my own and and see if I could actually realize this dream I had of of writing fiction. So it was terrifying. <laughs> was there an that. event or a person or a thing that pushed you off that cliff? Hmm. That's a good I think there was no one single thing, but part of my job at MM was um I started their 
uh, digital magazine called the M Dash. Yes, and yes, we had a feature on the M Dash called Women of the Week, where we would regularly feature, um, you know, amazing professionals in all different industries and really yes. dig into the details of their career journeys. Yes. And so by the time I left, I interviewed probably <laughs> at least a hundred, maybe two hundred women. Mm. So I think by then I had just. I'd internalized so much wisdom and advice from those people. Yeah, I've heard so many stories of women taking these really bold leaps. And I was just at the point where I was like, you know what? It's time for me to to do that too. But I was still completely terrified. You're still completely terrified. That's okay. That's that's probably good, right? That's the hunger, that's the drive, that's the thing that moves us, right? Yeah. A little bit of fear is is okay to now that now that I'm really thinking about it, there was one person who kind of gave me that final push over the edge. Okay, um, who was it? Ta- uh, Taffy Brodeser Ackner, who is a, an amazing journalist. She writes a lot of celebrity profiles. She wrote her first novel, um, Fleischman is in Trouble, which she is now turning into a TV show. Oh, um, wow. I had the opportunity to interview her when her novel came out. And it was, you know, her first attempt yes. at fiction as well. And she said to me that she basically, she didn't know if she would be good at it. She gave herself six months to write the first draft because, you know, she needed to be making money and she didn't want to take too much time away from her actual, like, money-making endeavors. Right. Um, So she gave her a really strict timeline and was sort of like, within that timeline, I can go for it. And after that, like, I'll move on if it doesn't work. So I think that advice for me was pretty liberating. Like, yes, this doesn't have to be something that's going to take the next 10 years of my life. I can do sort of a sprint (laughs) and see how it goes. And um, if it doesn't work, I can shift gears again. And it's not going to like throw my whole life off course. Yeah, that's really interesting. So okay, so we have to dive into this book. It is absolutely brilliant. It is unlike anything I've read recently, or really ever. Um, it has two, it, it's a love story, but not your ordinary love story. It, it has two really incredibly high concept, uh, <laughs> ideas in, in the book. I mean, first of all, the stake, which is this incredible female wellness, uh, center complete with, you know, rooms, called The Womb and Purple Rain, which is a lavender scented steam room. I mean, that I could just get lost in, in that place for an entire novel. But that but but that's just the beginning of the novel, right? And then we we discover the arc, which is this very exclusive, mysterious matchmaking service for you know, what I think is a a highly selective portion of the population that's both exhausted by the idea of trying to find the one, but still eternally hopeful about finding the one. And so that becomes the sort of launch pad for this story. Um, How did you come up with the concept of of both of those, uh, both of those ideas, the stake and the arc? Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a great question. Um, I mean, I think because this was my first novel, I came to it with so many ideas just kind of like swirling around my brain that I'd been holding there for years. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of like an explosion within my imagination. And I was like, I want to, you know, I want to. I want them all. This and that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) the the seed of the actual plot came to me. 
it was related to my personal life. So at the time, um, I had gone through a breakup and I was on dating apps for the first time as like a 35 year old. And I'd heard about them and, you know, seen friends use them over the years, but I had never actually experienced them for myself. Right. So I think once I finally did, I was, uh, well, I, it was, it was a journey. I was like, this is fun. This is interesting. This is funny. This is weird. But at the end of the day, very limited um, and very superficial, I thought, in terms of how people present themselves, how I was presenting myself, what we yes. share, what we hold back. So I, it, that was what kind of planted the seed for what if someone took this to the next level? What if a really sophisticated service was able to assess you and then sort of make that decision for you about who is your ideal partner? Um, yeah. So that's where that idea came from. And then in terms of the stake, which in the book is, yes, this nouveau women's wellness club that's um, definitely satirical. (laughs) It's not meant to be taken (laughs) too seriously. But again, it's like it's like grains of reality that I've that I've taken and then pushed to their extreme. Um, Yeah. Uh, So for me, that was I, I learned that I really enjoyed this this act of world building so like the world of the state yes. and the world of the arc for me was a really fun part of the book to write and yes. they sort of become characters in and of themselves um but yeah I think I I wanted to write a book that sort of defied genre that wasn't just a romance and it wasn't just a satire um it has like little hints of sci-fi and a little bit of like thriller going on yes um I certainly wanted it to be funny because I think for me, writing with a little bit of humor is just sort of my natural voice. Um, but I also wanted it to be a story that was like rooted in real emotion and that, you know, can make you cry at certain points um, and then laugh at others. So I was sort of going for all of that, which was ambitious, but <laughs> well, I thought, well, you, why not? I'm going you, for it. Let's go for it. 100% accomplish it because yes, it absolutely is a book that challenges our idea of what a love story should be, what, what the romance genre should be, what, what, you know, the, the, it defies genre. And I love that about it. Um, in fact, we always talk on this podcast because it's called, I know how this book ends. We always talk spoiler free about the end of the book. And that brings me to, to that question because the end of this book is not a typical romance ending. It is a breathless uh, like literally the last couple of pages and the last page is like a breathless ending, um, like a shocking kind of like almost psychological suspense ending. So that to me was just so fascinating. I couldn't help but wonder, was that always the way it was going to end for you? Um, Not when I first set out. Yeah, sort of Interesting. like the, the, I'd say like the last, I don't know, 50 pages of the book, I I didn't really know they were coming until I started writing um, and then tacked on sort of a few extra twists. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I did want to surprise readers for sure. I wanted to surprise my characters. Yeah. I wanted, yes. um, You did that. This book is a real exploration. And for me, it was like, I don't actually have theories about the right way to meet your person or not, or whether (laughs) dating apps or third parties are beneficial or malevolent. Like I, those questions are still open for me, but I really just wanted to explore them in this book and kind of look at like the benefits and the drawbacks of involving uh, technology and a third party in what is very personal, which is your own love story. 
Well, that's what's so interesting too, right? So it, it is, it's, it, it is a book with a lot of open questions and it challenges, I think, a lot of sort of like traditional conventional ideas of, uh, or modern ideas of, uh, you know, love and relationships. And as somebody who you're talking about, um, sort of your own personal inspiration at 35, going on dating apps for the first time. I mean, I'm reading this story from the perspective of as a 50-year-old woman who's relatively newly divorced, who's looking at my second chapter of partnership for the first time. But I'm also, and so it challenged, it was very interesting and relatable and challenged a lot of ideas I have personally. But I also thought, had I picked this book up 20 years ago when I was newly married to who I thought was my forever soulmate, it also would have been really interesting and relatable and challenging at that time too. So you definitely have created a story that is both personal and universal, which I think yeah. is really interesting. Well, that's wonderful to hear because that really was my goal. And I wanted this book to feel relevant for, yeah, the younger person, the divorced person, um, yeah. women, men, Really, anyone who's yes. been in a relationship or wants to be, or you know, is, yes. is brave enough to attempt that, I think a lot of you know, not every character in the book might resonate with everyone, but a lot of the fundamental questions they're wrestling with are pretty universal and and pretty human. Um, in addition to Ursula and Raphael, who are the central protagonists, um, they each have friends, and Ursula's best friend Isa has a marriage that um, acts as a bit of a foil for Ursula. It's a really, you know, stable, admirable marriage in many ways. But in that way, we get to sort of look at different relationships through different lenses. Um, And I, I think that's endlessly fascinating. Yeah, I agree. Who, who are you most nervous to read this book? A former (laughs) partner, a former lover, someone in the future? Who are you most nervous to read it? Definitely my mother's book club. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Full of like, you know, 70 something, 70 year old women. They are not going to hold back. In Connecticut, you know, some uh, not necessarily conservative, you know, traditional, traditional type uh, suburban Connecticut women who I love if they're listening to this. But, um, you know, this is a book that has profanity and swears and sex and vomit and all kinds of things. And, you know, they knew me as a child, so I'm a little nervous for how they will react to it. But <laughs> I love that. When are they reading it? When are they scheduled to read it? They have to have it already on their I know. On their hopefully schedule. soon. I, I know yeah. that one of the one of the clubs is doing March and hopefully my mom's main book club is doing April. We'll see. <laughs> OK, I actually I love that. That's so wonderful. But yeah, as far as, you know former boyfriends, all of that. I, I I don't think there's anyone out there who should be shaking in his boots. <laughs> um, all of these characters are sort of amalgams of different people I've known and parts of myself. And yeah. Um, and I, and I really, I like all of the characters in this book. I think, oh, they're yeah. all, you know, despite their, uh, their foibles, they're all like interesting people doing their best and they can be they can be a little obnoxious or self-centered or blind, but um, at the end of the day, I, I wanted to write a book where I was really rooting for all of them. Oh, absolutely. This is a full cast of characters, and they are all so unique and fun. And like I said, it is a very unusual novel. I have not read a novel like this in a long time. What, um, what do we have to look forward to you, forward from you next? What do you think of this? 
novel writing gig? I love it. Okay. (laughs) I love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I would love if this, you know, were my career for the rest of my career. Um, I am working on a second book. Awesome. Um, Can you give us a little sneak peek? Very, very early stages. So like this could completely change, but it's more, it's, um, the two protagonists are women. It's not a love story. It's more of a professional coming of age story. Um, with some subtle thriller vibes. Um, but yeah, it, <laughs> I'll probably need another at least six months to work on that first draft. So anything me, could happen there. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what, why 2018 for the arc and what is going to be the time period of the next project? If you know, Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I just, well, I guess, To me, the arc is a book that is set in like a very particular moment in terms of culture, where we were with fourth wave feminism and how that was being interpreted by, you know, different brands and clubs and institutions, where we were with startup culture, um, where we were with dating culture and technology. So I think I just wanted to situate it really clearly there. Yeah, Yeah, Um, it made sense to me and that works. And I know a lot of us in the writing world are like really struggling with books that are set in 2020 and beyond. So I, you know, a lot of people are moving their book, their timelines back. Yeah. So it was sort of, you know, a coincidence that I was so specific about that. And then the pandemic hit, but I think it just helps to sort of orient the reader to the fact that this book is about a very specific moment in time. Um, Book number two, I think, will be set in sort of just like the vague present day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I right. think a big a big question for a lot of writers and people, you know, storytellers is like, do we acknowledge the pandemic? Right. Uh, should we just pretend it never happened? Should we integrate it? Should we work around it? And I think, yeah, I'm still thinking. You're still trying questions. to figure out your answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's very interesting when we talk about I talk about it a lot with other writer friends and took a long time for us to figure out uh, how to write about and during um, 9-11. And so I feel mm-hmm. like this this is like a similar thing where it's going to take a little more hindsight till people f- really figure out where they want to situate their, yeah. their timelines. Yeah. It's a big question because, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole world shifted and things are different now. At the same time, I think, and, and by the way, like I finished my first draft of the arc in February 2020. And then a month later, the world went into lockdown. I I ended up finding my agent and selling the book in sort of those early months of the pandemic. Um, So for me, I was the whole past two years, I've been wondering, you know, is this book still going to feel relevant when it finally comes out? Um, I hope that it does. It does. um, It does. Yeah. The timing is good. The timing is actually really good then. And I think one piece of feedback I heard along the way was like, people really need an escape from the pandemic. They really want to just go into a different world, especially a fun sort of freewheeling world, which I hope is what the arc provides. So yeah. 100%. Well, listen, I am rooting fiercely for this book. Um, Tell everyone the best place to find you and find out where the events are going to be um, surrounding this book. 
Okay, so you can find me on my website, which is toryhenwoodhowen.com. And there's an events page there, which I will try to keep updated. There will certainly be um, virtual events going forward, so you can tune in from wherever you are. And I'm also on Instagram at Tori Henwood Hohen. Perfect. Tori, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And like I said, I'm going to be shouting loudly about this book. I can't wait for it to reach everyone's hands. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Don't forget that you can follow and like this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to review if you've loved it. And thank you so much for following along with season two. Bye.